Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. What up? What, what, what? <laughs> Damn, light oh. falls right off in the middle of the intro. Man, it, worst things have happened. I know. Like being know. eliminated from the playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah, how you been, man? Man, I'm doing good. Doing good. We're going to talk about this later, but you had you had a wonderful chance to troll your uh, rivals in the West. So how you, you escaped unscathed? Back to back, Jack. Yeah, what a wild weekend that was. Ooh. Yeah, we will we will definitely dig into that one later, and I'm sure Chris will drop all sorts of lovely uh, tweets and in um, uh, El Paso. Uh, we, yeah. we might ask you. Yeah, it was definitely some um, Schadenfreude. Is that the right word? It was definitely some mm. uh, some karma back. It, it was uh, definitely a fun weekend, especially for neutrals or people who just don't like specific teams. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, we have some some crazy news came out today. We've heard some rumors about this, but uh, a stalwart in Nisa, Detroit City FC, is joining the league. And if you have not been on soccer Twitter uh, following this, uh, Detroit City joins USL. And then the the fallout and the receipts being posted because Detroit City fans are an interesting bunch. Um, yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts about Detroit City FC joining USL? I mean, really, like, you know, I'm so glad that I'm not one of those folks that, like, slept on this club up until this point. I mean, we've gotten a chance to kind of already be familiar with Detroit City FC. I mean, we almost got to see them, you know, play El Paso in the Open Cup. That was like, definitely I was looking forward to that just because, you know, the first time a rival, you know, had beat like uh, El Paso, it was forward Madison, right? So it was another chance to see a club in a lower league. Um, But anyways, my thoughts are that... It's great that they're able to jump up to the league at this point um, because they're going to be able to ultimately really build out their club. And, um, you know, it, it just seems like it's going to help the foundation more or less, you know, because especially if they're uh, su- kind of supporter, uh, supporter created and sustained over this time. I mean, the additional, the additional, how I want to say this, like the additional reach and coverage of this team, you know, just think off the bat, like if you don't have a BN like subscription, you know, like another paywall, like you, you know, you probably weren't watching them, but now that, you know, they could be on ESPN plus as well. That's huge. You know, so the revenue is going to be good for the club. Yeah, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see uh, how they take to the USL and how the fans take to each other. Um, I know people were happy when Cincinnati left because everyone thought, or since I should say everyone thought, Cincinnati thought they were uh, 
God's gift to USL soccer and kind of saved the league, although they never won anything. Phoenix Rising. Uh, um, I think that people can make some comparisons to that club, uh, but Detroit City does have a kind of a history uh, being outspoken about uh, league or club over league, but how they'll you, they love Nisa and they'll never go to the USL and how the USL is terrible. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. I, I've seen some of those tweets out there. Um, Nisa's response uh, was... Oh, my God. Let's talk about it, Ooh. please. Nisa's response was, um, as USL Pony pointed out, we're not breaking up with you. You're breaking up with us. Or <laughs> you're not breaking up with us. We're breaking up with you. That tweet, I thought, from USL Pony uh, was quite great. Uh, but the statement, the statement reads... Um, Confirmed, uh, Nisa confirms Detroit FC's request to depart the league. They are a quality organization that we wish well, hyphen, if they respect the legal agreement and obligations the league and the member clubs have forged together. So they're only good if they respect the league agreements. Announcing the jump before the season's end and not fulfilling its commitment to the 2022 season brings into question sporting integrity. Also, it should be the baseline that USSF ensures that order, not chaos, exists in the U.S. system. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. I believe in the mission of creating a true open system based on merit. As a result of these efforts, we have four great new independent clubs. Yada, yada, yada. It is surprising that Detroit City, a historical stalwart supporter of the open system, has chosen, quote, franchise over, quote, club, closed, quote, over, quote open uh, right so very sassy there from nisa Oof. god they got their feelings so damn hurt like you know and they definitely it, they showed their cards so much and and definitely shout out to usl pony like it is like that it's like oh well it it, it, it had like a different sentiment to me at first i mean i did i did definitely think that it was like it was like i'm taking back my friendship do you know what i mean like like, there's no other way to say it. Like, Nisa is all about Detroit City FC. It's like, yo, we're down with you. Like, we're bros. Everything's good. And then they're like, hey, bro, uh, you know, I know. I hope you know we're we're good. We love y'all. Um, but we think this will really help us out, you know, and kind of allow us to kind of. And probably in some way, they probably wanted to be like, yo, like, yo, if you're starting a Nisa, we give that a positive plug. But now they probably are like. You know, F Nisa, we're not going to send anyone your way. We're not going to, you know, be an endorser. You know what I mean? Like an alumni, right. you know, the reunion is canceled. Don't invite us. We're not coming. Just not so welcome, stupid for them. Not like, that was to just the barbecue. Like, yeah. Like, it's so bad. Like, I, I love to see how Nisa tries to double back. Oh, you know, we we're just playing, bro. Right. <laughs> Their next tweet is just JK. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Detroit F- uh, City FC actually started out um, as kind of a member-only rec league club and kind of worked their way up. Uh, if you say there's no promotion relegation, uh, there kind of was with Detroit City FC, not like an official they're good, so they're moving up kind of deal, uh, but they just kept growing and building from a community base. And like as much as I know the fans get a lot of uh, grub, for being u.s soccer story um it is um a 
it is one of those moments of like this is what people who want an open system are looking for it's kind of like rec league club makes good um you know if this was like baseball or football or something there'd be some like to cable or maybe like disney plus is gonna Mm -hmm. come out with a movie of detroit city fc uh but it's um I think it's a fun, a fun and interesting story. Um, as if you were looking for a uh, a chaotic neutral um, kind of uh, stance to this, this one's going to be a real fun ride. Um, and it's, um, yeah, just the fireworks are great. I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, and then when they start playing, they're either going to do pretty well and people are going to talk one way or they might kind of fall flat and they're going to people are going to talk another way. Uh, but I mean, Oakland, that's what people kind of talk with Oakland this year. And Oakland really put a good end of the season together and ended up making the playoffs. I mean, um, yeah. yeah, we're going to get into that. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, if you really want to get down into the weeds of U.S. soccer, this is a fun conversation to have because there are lots of hot takes and there are lots of really good takes about kind of the state of U.S. soccer and, you know, clubs leaving leagues to go to other leagues. Uh, there's rumors going around that USL is looking at up to 40 or 50 teams for both leagues in expansion uh, in the next several years. Um, you you know, this is just a conversation people have all the time about what is best for us soccer. Um, and I think Detroit city looked and said, Hey, we, um, we want to go over here. Uh, the Miami FC did it to moderate success. Not really the first year, but definitely the second year. Uh, we saw Oakland switch over and have, you know, some success and uh, Detroit city is looking at that and saying, we'd like to be on ESPN plus. We'd like to be, playing with those because we think we can compete well and like okay like if you really process it it's like the usl season's still kind of going on right so it definitely fits the stoke like if they had waited what would have happened could it had been then like maybe they could have timed it out and maybe plug their announcement like around the championship game for the usl cup that could have been sick Talk about maximum exposure then. It would have been on a TV channel. That's probably how they could have done it, you know, at this point. But nonetheless, everyone's – I'm just saying, like, from a standpoint, but they probably couldn't do that on a broadcast because they're still technically, you know, there might be some things that, like, they can't do. Yeah, maybe. And and maybe this gets people talking about it and over the next couple weeks and, it be you know, the story develops. So it is a story. Uh, a more fleshed out story at the finals uh, think, that they are going to talk about. Do you What's think that? the Do you think the league is going to see uh, more of its big, maybe two or three other clubs really consider this at this point? Like, do you think there's a chance at another ripple? I mean, I don't see why not. I think it's hard to kind of forecast that, um, but I, I think you're going to see some team. So that's joining up with MLS and their D3 if they're kind of working on that development side. Um, you know, this these soccer wars happen all the time, and I think teams need to do what's best for them and what kind of culture and what kind of team they want to create. Um, and, you know, there's 
some reasons to not like Nisa, but I think there's reasons to not like USL. Uh, there's some reasons that uh, to not like uh, the M- new MLS thing. I-, I think that there's some gives and takes, and I think you just got to decide which one you want to put your uh, hat to. But you also have League One. I think that's another thing people are uh, looking at as well is, you know, do some of these Nisa teams who might not survive in a championship level uh, just move over to League One uh, and do their thing there? Um, you got Harry talking about Chattanooga. I think that's another interesting team uh, yeah. as well with, you know, member Rebels. owners and all sorts of things that open some weird legal doors for some USL teams. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's there's some, I think there, you know, this is the first kind of big earthquake, I think. I think this has been like a few pre-shocks with Miami and Oakland. Right. And I think this might be, this might be a, a big sea change with USL um, approaching some of those better NISA teams. Do you think that it, like, it's crazy because of how this is happening, right? Because um, you could maybe venture to say, like, hey, maybe uh, NISA and the USL need to sit and talk because, you know, maybe there's something between them, that, that some good partnership that could happen, right? But um, with Oakland coming across and... Yeah, Detroit has fan ownership. Bro, you better check your WeFunder. They probably refunded you. Um, uh, um, Harry, just, like, to be cl- just to be clear, I wanted – there was a period in, or a, a bad sentence in there, Chattanooga coming over, period, and then with team ownership. So I meant to include Detroit in that with, with Chattanooga as well. So thank you, Harry, for uh, correcting that. Um, yes. So there's some a, a little window that might be opening for some teams in the USL. Well, I guess I just think like again, like if say let's just say this is a different, right? Like somehow a different scenario, but it's not. It's just kind of like I could see these things, these these clubs being like a good way for USL to go. Hey, you've got you got some decent clubs over there at NISA. Let's sit and talk and see if there's a way for us to affiliate in some way. But again, you know with the way things were kind of handled with Detroit city FC, there's a little sour grapes there. I mean, the USL doesn't even respond on their socials and you know, how many times do they get heckled about something so often, you know what I mean? Like, the smartest thing for them is just to probably let it go on red. <laughs> All right. Uh, so unfortunately this is not a Detroit city or Podcast. USL podcast not yet uh, <laughs> some, some other news uh if you woke up super early this morning which i thought was pretty weird that they're announcing something at 6 a.m local time um is the nwsl team has a name you gonna ride that wave chris mm, yeah i saw that the uh san diego wave football club and spelled football uh to really tie in the cultures which i thought that was killer for them to use that spelling of football. Um, you know, so that was cool. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti podcast. Hey, don't threaten it. We might do it, but we're going to need like a lot of us to do that. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, no, I, I think it's rad. I don't know if I'm going to ride that wave. I think it's a, I think the name is cool. I was, the first thing I thought was, man, they're going to totally come out with something. It looks like the Loyals crest. Somehow, it's going to get a little weird. They're playing at Torero. 
we're all definitely stoked that there's an NWSL team right out there. I mean, that's that's great for the area. That's definitely going to push in, you know, the stadium talks a little bit more for 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 uh, loyal. And I was like, man, I wonder what that crest is going to look like. But cool name, you know. I wonder what the supporters group would be called. To be honest, that's another thing. I think they were waiting for the name to come out and kind of building the supporter culture around that name. Um, they have some swag up there. It's kind of basic, but it's limited edition and it's early. Like if we remember a lot of the early San Diego stuff uh, was a little bit, um, um, I don't want to say bland. That's not the right word. Um, the a little surfers. bit kind of just kind of like uh, just basic. Like it's, hey, we need to put some stuff out and we need to get it done quickly. Uh, so if you want to get some early swag, get on it. Um, I know Jerry's been posting a lot about it um, on his you know, personal account, but also his uh, Cheeto FC account, which shout yeah. out to Jerry and his, and his new podcast endeavors. Boom, um, Cheetos. But, um, you know, I, I'm stoked that there's an NWSL team. Uh, I wish there were was a little bit more information, right? We're right in the middle of NWSL playoffs. I think we're trying to get some new people in. Uh, San Diego loyal fans are maybe looking for some local soccer to hype up and get behind. Uh, and now's the time to start following some of those teams in the NWSL season. Um, so I, I'm so, a little bit hesitant to say like I'm fully on board uh, because there's just been so little information. I feel like I really have to dig to find it. Like if you just search for the team name and try to find their, um, their website, it's hard to find it first. Uh, but I think those things are going to improve. Um, I'd like to see them maybe engage a little bit more in the community and maybe not um, do the press releases at 6 a.m. Um, but obviously there might have been some reason uh, to do that. They uh, might have gone out to catch the earlier waves. Maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, that's, you know, Andy's got a good point here. Let's take two minutes and come up with like some some SG names so that maybe one of them will stick. Or someone will create a podcast for the name. So, so what you got, Alan? I'm thinking like the surf. That's obviously a good one there. I mean, maybe like Pier Pier 36 or whatever, wherever the pier is over there. I think that's going to be possibly another name of the SG. You have to avoid surf in San Diego because of the (laughs) um, the the youth academy. Um, They might be really, really. Mad Keep those going in the comments over there. Um, yeah, I think there's. I think with Wave, I think you're opening up the door for quite a large um, opportunity to name a supporters group in something, and there might be multiple supporters groups. Um, mm. I think Two Balls and a Mike are going back to their Sandcastle FC um, <laughs> mermaids, mermaids. Group or mermans. I'm a merman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sirens. Ooh. Sirens. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty fun one. I like that's that. Cool. Uh, to me- mesmerize your opponent and lead them to uh, shipwreck their yeah. or to crash their ship right. uh, into the rocks. You can maybe like have some like really cool like uh, rock banners that you're hanging down that create that environment of like you're the sirens. They uh, didn't really have any. Did they? Uh, I may have missed it. Did they have any sort of like real video presentation? Anything to kind of bring in? The club, like, do you remember this? Obviously, a different sport, but do you remember when, like, Seattle Kraken, the the hockey team, came out with their presentation and they kind of did like a oh, like you know, like this is like a shout out to the Sockeyes, 
and then it was like kind of a old meets new sort of thing with their club and i know they put out they put out like a really quick like social media brand thing to kind of tease it a little bit um i did not get a chance to watch the announcements uh i've been running around a bunch today uh but i'm sure if it's out there if we find it we'll tweet it out on our twitter account uh, so we can hype that up jason says no so that saves me time i don't have to go look for something that doesn't exist um but no uh, but I know that they're trying to really build this up. Um, obviously, you know, NW or NWSL has been going through all sorts of shenanigans with the league office and changing and all of that stuff. So I know that they're trying to navigate that as a new club. Uh, it's so a rivalry that, with Angel City. Right. I would I would like to see that as well. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to withhold my judgment. I think, you know, they're going to come in, they're going to do their job, and then people are going to voice their opinions, good or bad. Uh, and so I'm going to give them a, a chance um, to try to do the right thing. Uh, so the announcement, uh, Jason says the announcement was just the video and Jill saying, we're working on, we're working, it's coming on Zoom. And, and they might, that's 6 a.m. They might have like three people that they've been able to hire uh, and they're doing everything. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass right now. Yes, yeah. I would like to see more, uh, obviously, for a uh, high quality league that the NWSL is in. Um but uh, I, I think, you know, NWSL has their hands full, and maybe the new team does as well. So, Well, um, and, uh, you know, just looking between the two clubs, I mean, maybe this is something for the folks in the, in the comments. But, I mean, now you have two clubs in the same city. You got San Diego Loyals and, you know, you, or uh, San Diego Loyal, and then you got San Diego Wave. Like, do you think that, like, hindsight, like, looking backwards, like, should the club have created – the the team nickname based on like something other than like and like a trait of the city like more of like an object or some sort of a eh. you know what i'm saying like because now you're looking at this and it's like this club has obviously had some time to see how something like san diego loyal would work right yeah but i also think you want to like find your own identity and find your own voice in, in the environment. And, you know, there's, you know, the seals went with one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the fleet, which went with a, you know, slightly different direction. Um, yeah. It was Andy just pointed out um, SD wave. Sure. Sounds like a creative team name to me, but it's like, I, I think, I don't know. I, I'm not a stickler on it. I think, it's it's the city's team uh it sure beats sdfc or sd soccer club i I think it fits in with kind of the 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 rebrands and kind of the names that nwsl has been kind of going with um and i'll I'll wait to see color scheme i'm excited to see color scheme i'm excited to see crest and that might might change my mind you know you come Mm -hmm. out with a badass crest and it just says sc wave football club and it's badass, then I'm all I mean, for it. That it picture was like, picture was making me run to the fridge to grab some ocean spray cran juice, man. Yeah. And I think Andy's right. No matter what you pick, half the people are going to be disappointed. So, like, ultimately, you put out a crest, you put out a team, and if it's something you can get behind, especially Tory Green uh, or Finest FC, I, I think that there's some options. And... And maybe, who knows, maybe there's a rebrand 10 years in the future where they go a different direction. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just excited that we're starting to get some news. That is um, cool, though. Yeah, so let's 
move on to the real reason why we're here. Yeah. And that reason is that San Diego Loyal played San Antonio uh, in San Antonio and lost to to nil. Um, Don't understand that. Yeah, this was a tough one. I think I said on the USL show, whoever gets two goals is going to win. And as soon as that (laughs) second goal went in in the 25th minute, I was like, well, damn. Uh, I felt pretty down. I think maybe uh, there was just, mm, yeah, there's a lot going on that we can definitely break down. I think there were, you know, these set piece goals, these scrambles in the box. I think the second goal is just kind of an unfortunate bounce, and you're going to get those from time to time. Uh, The first goal seemed like miscommunication. Uh, Chris, what did you pick up on some of your initial reactions uh, to this loss? I mean, it didn't it didn't start the way I thought it was going to start off. It wasn't it was like Landon's read of it and what I thought San Antonio would be like being real gritty and physical and flopping all, all over the place. And I mean, they really did a good job definitely selling that as their as their last bit of presentation in the last few matches because San Antonio just didn't come out. Um the way that that I thought they would, the feel of it was different. Like they definitely played hard. You know, I think San Diego spent more time trying to brace for that. And then that kind of got them out of their game. I mean, that was their game plan, right? Was to be that way, but they should have just played San Diego ball and not even really worry too much about that. I mean, I, I would argue that they kind of played the way they wanted to play. I mean, 70, 70% possession, 63% in the first half, 77 in the second half. Sean Kelly just put, uh, San Antonio only had three shots on target in the entire game, all in the first half, and two of them were goals. I mean, that's efficiency. And I think that when Harry talked about last time, like, they just need to finish. And um, San Antonio finished. And that's kind of the difference. If you look at that second half, San Diego had 13 shots. Zero on target. They had possession though in the first half. They they played that 65-35 game that they like yeah. to play. So I mean, I, I think you look at that match and you know San Diego did play San Diego ball. Like they played the game <laughs> that they kind of wanted to play. Now, some of it was San uh San Antonio is a really good defensive team. This is um, you know, a team that had two clean sheets going into the into the season. Um, against Austin and Colorado Springs, another p- playoff team. Um, and they're just a good defensive team. They knew, they just like, San Diego, go ahead and have possession. Like, pass the ball around. And it seemed like everything was great. And then the final third, it just never really clicked. Balls were cleared away. Uh, they were really packing it back. And I think once you got that two goals, I just like, there's, I just don't see San Diego getting to three. Like, or even like maybe two, maybe two. But I never saw him getting to three and winning outright. Um, super high possession. San Antonio was uh, very much letting San Diego hold the ball. And they were just like, you're going to have to beat us. And every time they got close to the box, they said, no. Uh, yeah. Sean Kelly also put San Diego had more crosses, 23 in that game, than any other of their previous six months. Uh, <laughs> so it wasn't like they didn't try. It wasn't like yeah. they weren't trying to play the game that they know how to play. Um, this felt very similar. Um, this felt very similar to that Orange County game, um, where it just never really quite clicked. It never seemed like they were really putting things together. Um, 
and it was kind of frustrating. Um, yeah, I was definitely reaching for the phone to order some some Pizza Hut about that time. It was just like, all right, this game could have been more, and it wasn't, and that was unfortunate. Because um, I, I really thought that San Diego might have brought it in the second half. I mean, they've been obviously finding their goals like later on in matches. You know what I mean? So I thought for sure San Antonio would let some in because, I mean, just kind of going back to that New Mexico game, it was like, you know, that thing was like early scores and then all of a sudden, bam, just like an open an open backfield, you know, so. Yeah, if you go, if you go back and look at the highlights, it's kind of depressing. It's pretty much like <laughs> the first half and you had San Antonio's two goals and you had uh, that other one that went just over the bar. And then all of a sudden, it's the 93rd minute and the game's over. Uh, and I think that kind of breaks down how, how the game went. I didn't think San Diego ever looked really dangerous. I think San Antonio looked very much in control. Mm. Um, you know, we talked about this in the, the preview of both of these teams are going to get to play the way they want to play and who's going to be able to execute better. And I think San Antonio executed their game plan better. Um, mm. Yeah, no doubt. So... Um, the cool thing is uh, there was a Zoom post-conference, uh, post-match conference uh, that we were able to uh, chat and ask some questions. Uh, so what we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to play um, a portion of that press conference. Um, so, you know, you can hear Landon Donovan kind of explain his thoughts on the match. So here is uh, the post-match press conference. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Landon, tough game, man. Uh, great effort by the team. Obviously, that second goal was a killer. That uh, header that accidentally went backwards. But overall, what is obviously your uh, expect or your impressions of the game overall? Uh, the beginning of the game looks like what we thought it would look like. Fast, hectic, then putting us under some pressure. And ultimately, on two set pieces, we gave up. The two, the two goals on the night that made the difference. So a lot of times that's what these games are about. And unfortunately, we got punished for it. And so it's a, for our club and for our team as a group, it's a, a big learning experience that if you're, not, if you're not sharp on every single play, that's what happens in games like this. And we got punished. Thank you. All right, any other questions? Yeah. Like I said, just raise your hand and we'll go. Derek, I see you. We'll go with you next. Hey, Landon. Uh, the shot, and I believe the, uh, the first half, I believe it was by Augie, the one where the, uh, the defender there, uh, Tanner, headed that thing out. It looks like it was going over the line. Uh, had that ball gone in, could that have maybe changed the fortunes, uh, giving you guys a little bit of momentum moving forward offensively? Yes, I think that play epitomized the game. They made plays like that in their box that made the difference, and we didn't. And so I said to the guys all week that every play matters in these games. Of course, the big plays matter, but every little play makes a difference. And we didn't make a couple plays defensively, and then we didn't make a couple plays to score at least one goal to get us a real chance to get back in the game. So that was the tail of the game, and that, that play probably epitomized the night perfectly. And then to kind of follow up what you said uh, when you first started off here, um, even in a loss, how much uh, does playoff experience at this level uh, help a club moving forward when you have uh, you get more and more guys are going to get a taste of what this is like? It's crucial. 
and it, you, you have to feel what it feels like even when you lose you have to feel what the game feels like and you have to feel what losing feels like so next time you get in that moment you don't want to feel that and that is something you just have to go through and experience before you can understand it we can talk to them all week about what we think the game is going to look like and what certain plays are going to look like but ultimately you have to see it for yourself and know next time hopefully next year when we're in the playoffs you've got to channel that and remember that and prevent that from happening thanks man and safe travels thanks derek appreciate you Go ahead, Hector. Oh, yeah, just a quick follow-up before we say goodnight here. Um, I know the season, regular season, ended with, like, four games that you did, couldn't win and that tough one against Oakland and obviously this one. I know it's, like, big picture-wise and it's probably not in the back of your head yet. Is it, like, unfinished business for Landon Donovan yet? Do you want to come back for a third season yet? I think we saw at the end of the year what our what our weaknesses are, right? So through long stretches of the year, we were very good. But at the end of the year, when every game means a little bit more for every team, um, you see where your weaknesses are. And we saw that over the last few weeks. We saw it on set pieces. We saw it in giving up leads. We saw it in not scoring the goals when we got the opportunities. And ultimately, that's what prevented us from winning tonight, but also from finishing in second place and having a home game in the playoffs. So these are all learning experiences for us as a club, for me as a coach. Uh, ultimately, them not being ready to play the first 25 minutes is my responsibility. So I, I take the blame for that. And it's a learning experience for all of us. All right, Alan, we'll go with you. Yeah, so um, how big was not getting a home game into the season? You think maybe if this was played at home in Torero, uh, it feel different? Or you just think that, uh, you know, San Antonio's game plan was, uh, you know, just better on the day? I, I thought the game would play out the way it did, which is whatever team is able to make the game look the way they want it is the team that's going to win. And certainly in the first 30 minutes, they made the game look exactly how they wanted it to. And we didn't. And the last 60 was what the game should have looked like from the beginning for us. We were, we were excellent over that stretch, but it was too late. So um, we, didn't, we didn't have any excuses. This was a phenomenal field, a big field to play on. This, is, this suits us perfectly. Playing at home, sure, would have, would have been great and would have helped, but this was a matchup that we, we thought we had a really good chance to win. And it comes down to what I said before, Alan, is that if you don't, you don't make those plays, those crucial plays. That's, that's why soccer is such a great game. And basketball, if you miss a few plays, it doesn't matter. You've got enough possessions where you can make up for it. In soccer, if you don't make those plays, you end up losing. And then a, a quick follow-up on that. Um, like moving forward, do we think it's like a tactical adjustment that needs to be made or just kind of a few pieces that you think, hey, we can get a, a, a different – kind of player in some of these roles maybe we can uh it would, it would have been different we we know what we we know how we're successful right and we know when we have certain pieces on the field uh, it's really hard to beat us uh, this year was a little challenging because there was a lot of stop and start stop and start with our team and that made it challenging uh, most teams go through that 
but this was, it felt especially choppy. So once we got going on a roll, it felt like uh, a loan got recalled or there was an injury. Um, that's not an excuse. Every team goes through that. So we know the pieces we need on the field. And when we have those pieces, we're very successful. So the offseason will be spent making sure we have those pieces that we need. And then hopefully we can, we can be you know, 5, 10, 15% better. And that would make a difference in a night like tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, much love to you guys and the team and safe travels back. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for your support all year. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, sorry about the beeping in the background. I was a metronome during marching band rehearsal. So, I was doing double duty. Um, and uh, thank you, Andy. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm, you know, I missed uh, the game. I missed the watch party. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, so, some interesting thoughts there. Um, I tried at the end to kind of focus in on was it, you know, a, do we think we're going to do some tactical changes or is it kind of peace thing? Um, and I've talked to the coaching staff before and I think they have an identity of how they want to play soccer. Um, so I'm not, I, I don't think there's going to be necessarily a tactical shift, um, but I do think there's going to be some evaluations of some players. And uh, this is what they did last year into this year. And I think the team got better for sure. Uh, so, you know, I have faith and we're probably going to talk about that next Uh podcast about what we want to see um change or who we want to see back uh chris uh what are your initial reactions to that press conference um just i mean he was just real candid you know what i mean like obviously he said like look like the last 60 minutes is is how we we need to look you know he didn't he didn't like you know try to sugarcoat it or offer any excuse i mean but he's been pretty candid all season i mean he said He's been transparent, you know what I mean? Like he said, like ultimately how he thought they should have played or didn't play. And um, so I think that, that those responses definitely, I mean, are, are, are worthwhile, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, I mean, what more can you say on a 2-0? I mean, if they came out playing the last hour the way they wanted to and you know, things were there and there were shots and just nothing can go in. I mean, there's just not a whole lot to say. You know what I mean? Like, the worst thing probably would have been if they would have laid down the last 60 minutes and, you know, the scores would have just kept racking up their, you know, outside of their, their favor, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is something to kind of look at is, you know, they, they played real well down the stretch. It's just that they faced some teams that were playing really well. Like Orange County – has won six in a row, I think now, all of them being one goal games and five of them being one nil victories. Um, we saw what they did down a man against Colorado Springs. Um, and I, I think, you know, this is one of those where you go up against a really good team, San Antonio, who just beats you in the first, you know, first 30 minutes of the game. Um, and I, I think, you know, there were some opportunities in the second half. Um to, to try and get one, um, but it was going to be a uh, um, it's going to be an uphill battle. I think you're down two goals against a really good team on the road. That's that's a tough ask against an average team, let alone a San Diego, uh, San Antonio team, who I think you know is a lot of people's dark horse favorites to make it to the west to the to the finals. Now, like it's it's wild. Um, Jason I, had I, a comment comment about like about. The, how Landon was saying that the last 60 minutes, you know, obviously 
or how they want it to look. And, you know, that, that coach speak, man, is like, you just can't, you can't, the formula on that coach speak, speak is crazy. It's like the meatloaf is good, but the meatloaf really isn't good. Like we, we could, me and Alan could both eat the meatloaf and think, man, this is not really good. But then he could eat the meatloaf and go, oh man, this is like really good. That's just because the coaches just, they got this way about like, like they can really almost settle for some of the mediocrity that we as fans go, oh, this is absolutely horrible. You know, they, they're finding the silver lining in things because of how they train it during the week and how it comes out. And if they, if the person's getting it nearly well, but maybe not pristine, somehow they just settle for, okay, well, it's not horrible. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, just sometimes I think when those coaches pop, come out with their explanation, you know, it, it, it differs from what we observe it as. Yeah, I think I think it's like as a as a teacher, I am um, more inclined to agree with Landon's comment of as a coach, my job isn't necessarily to get people to score goals. My job is to get people into the position to score goals and execute. So I have my game plan and I have what I'm going to be doing and I can't control if that cross is executed perfectly or that shot. They had 11 shots in the box in the last, in the second half. Like that's great. 11 shots in the box. Like I would sign up for that every, every game. Hey, every like second half of the game, you're going to have 11 shots in the 18 yard box for sure. That's I, a I think lot that's more yeah, than they've had. And I think that's what he's like. I think that's what he's trying to get at is like, as a coach, I'm thinking big picture. I'm thinking like, did the game work the way we wanted it to work tactically? And I, I would make an argument um, that that uh, the answer is yes. Now, does that mean that we have all of the players in order to execute that game plan to get wins consistently? I mean, that's the answer. That's the, I think that's the other side of that argument is we might have a, we might tactically have figured out how we want to play and it's successful most of the time but we need the right pieces. And we saw this with like when, when Miguel Berry showed up and then we left, like if you have the right caliber of player or the right caliber of team, I think that game plan works. And Landon Donovan looks and Nate Miller look like geniuses. And then when you don't execute it well, it's they're looking at it, not from necessarily a result standpoint, but a process. And this is what Landon Donovan says all the time. And I, I agree. It isn't slightly annoying. Like, we as fans don't care about the process. All we care about is the results. We don't right. want to know that tactically it looked great if you lost three 0 But I think there's that other side of the coin is as a coach and you're looking back, is it, and that's why I asked, is it a tactical thing or is it a, is it a player thing? And he's saying we played the way we wanted to play. We just didn't have the right pieces in place all of the time to be successful. And I think, you know, the front three were re relatively underperforming and, you know, weren't as successful. Um, I think um, San Antonio really laid back and didn't really try to press the issue. Um, and that kind of benefited San Diego's game plan. But it's one of those, it's not that we tactically got run off the park, right? And I, I hate to bring up um, Man United, but 
Like there are some times <laughs> where you look at some someone even as good as players as Man United, and like there's not really a a, a game plan for say. And you can have the most talented players in the world, and you know they aren't successful. Versus a team that's really well coached, that has some really nice pieces that all fit together. They have a game plan that gets them the results. So I think right. that's where we're moving to is we have a game plan that we think works in the USL. It's now just tweaking those those pieces. Uh, and I do think ugh, our possession stats are I hate possession. It's like a it's like a stat that says what people like it says one thing, but I think it really just says another. Like it just shows what style you like to play. Are you a counter attacking team or are you a possession based team? And if yeah, San Diego wants yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, like, possession stats just – it tells the story. Like, I mean, you know, when a team has the ball 60% of the time and they don't create more chances from it, right, and they're certainly in the part of the game where they need to be creating more chances, then it just basically says, like, you're dwindling your opportunities. But if you give it away to a team who, you know, who only has it for 35% of the time and they're obviously making quick strikes and actually having – a little bit more success than, you know, I mean, then possession just obviously says like, yo, you know, like maybe you need to focus on having the ball less and doing more with it when you do have it, you know, for sure. And I think this is kind of, this is a debate that I think we, is going to be a really fun one in the off season is do we like the way we play? And if we do, you know, who we're going to bring in to make that happen. And I think this is a fun debate. And, as sad as we are about getting eliminated from the playoffs, like we made the playoffs, like check that box, we made the playoffs. Now next year we need to take another step. First year we didn't make the playoffs. This year we made the playoffs. We ran into a really good San Antonio team that arguably, uh, I can you know you can make a really good argument that they're going to be the Western Division, um, Western Division champions. Like it's legitimate, and that was. I would even say that with Phoenix and El Paso still in the mix, so they have a legitimate shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was with a woman for 70% of the night, but another guy slept with her twice during the other 30%. Thank you, Sean Kelly. Um, yeah, I think we, this has been a mantra with San Diego. Possession's great, but what are you doing with it? And I think this is another one of those games of possession's great, what are we doing with it? Now, we created a bunch of shots, and we had a, a big chance that we missed. I would say overall, like a pretty positive tactical uh, setup. It's just we got to find the right pieces that all fit. Um, and we're not, I don't think we're quite there yet. And to be fair, this is year 1.5. Um, you know, El Paso is an anomaly where they made the Western Conference finals in the first uh, three years of their existence. Um, but, you know, this is going to be a fun conversation. I think we can dive into next week about who you want to keep. Um, what kind of player do you want to see brought in? Maybe some names or just kind of a, an ideal player for uh, with um, the team. And I think, um, you know, there's some people who we know are coming back, like Jack Blake, we know is, is signed on for 2022. Um, sorry, 20, yeah, 2022. Um, I've been trying to find out, um, asking them very slyly. Uh, I know there's another player who is signed for next year for sure, and I'm excited about uh, there's another one that told me he's 99% sure he was coming back, and I'm also excited about him. Um, so I think next podcast we're going to give out some awards and then um, talk about who we'd like to see back or maybe a, a type of player, a type of player. And, um, and, the, and, the, and, 
and these fellows up in the comments should definitely bring their own list. I'm curious to see like what players um, they would have back or, you know, or the reasonings for why they wouldn't have back certain players. That'd definitely be very, very interactive. Definitely loving the comments from everyone tonight. So shouts to all y'all. Man, Sean Kelly dropping his stats as usual. We appreciate nice. that. Uh, any idea why Herzog was 9-19? Uh, he was listed on the injury report. Um, so uh, we are under the assumption that it was an injury. Um, so I, I think that's where that is. I know he wasn't around for the um, the season ticket membership thing uh, for like a family event. Um, so we were told he was injured, and so we will trust the team that that is what's going on. Gleedle was like, don't play, punk. Right. Um, so uh, we're going to wrap up with a really quick uh, what happened. Uh, oof, Western Conference, Phoenix. Actually, start with El Paso. El Paso yeah. losing to Oakland Roots 1-0, their first home loss of the entire season since last season. They've been undefeated at home forever. Oakland goes in there and gets a 1-0 victory. What happened? That felt like Fresno breaking the streak for Phoenix back in 2019. That's what that felt like. It was like, woohoo! Yeah, it's, it's Oakland's weird, man. Like, I, I think on the USL show, I said, um, I don't think they're gonna win, but I think that they're pesky enough and they're physical enough and they just believe in themselves enough to get the job done, maybe. Uh, I didn't think it was going to happen, though. Like, I was like, maybe, but I didn't see Oakland going into El Paso and knocking off uh, the number one mountain seed. They just, they, they just got, okay, Oakland just got the bounce. But, I mean, in all in all fairness, I mean, El Paso, you know, <laughs> I mean, 5-0 against LA, LA Galaxy, Elosos, uh, 4-1 against against uh, RGV, and a lot of us thought for sure maybe El Paso kind of threw that game or was real lax about it. But I, I really don't think that they, they were. I think that they just really – RGV really is actually that good at this point. And, I mean, we knew that looking at the top of the season, they were practically the lone team at the top of the table for a while. So, I mean, you know, to me, like, they definitely went into the playoffs with – a different type of form and they paid for it and you know oakland you know obviously being a very gritty team having to go through so much got the leg on them and i i, I did brace myself for those last two minutes of the match with el paso because they're so good about equalizing yeah during that time frame and they were trying but yeah. it just wasn't happening and that was so good to see that upset happen yeah i liked uh andy's comment about the good open cup run um that that is the 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 joy of the open cup that we missed out on this year that we got like a little bit of hint of. Um uh proud of Oakland. Yeah, Oakland played its game. Um Harry says El Paso never recovered from that seven games in twenty two days at the end of the season. I think it ha you know that has something to do with it too. Uh I, I think Oakland um is playing really well as a team right now. Um I want to go back to uh, Sean's seven games in 22 days is rough. They right, and they, I'm sure they did that a couple of times in the season too. Yeah, just I want to go back to Sean's comment about 
possession. They outpossessed their opponent. They were the number one possession team in the USL, but their opponent always had the ball in the loyal third much more often. This is a stat that, you know, moving forward, we need to pay attention to is um, moving the ball forward and having possession in a more attacking uh, place uh, than defending. Um, and then, oh, man, like I think probably like Oakland beating El Paso is probably like the for sure the upset. Uh, I think yeah. Orange County beating Colorado uh, down a man was pretty impressive. Like, although Orange County does a really nice job defending, it'll be interesting to see what they do without young Kobe Henry and Rob uh, Rob Kiernan, uh, both of their center backs. So it'll be a very interesting matchup against Oakland. Right. But I mean, the game the game of the weekend has got to be that RGV Phoenix match. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Easily, like the fact that you could have two upsets like back to back nights like that was just I was like, hey, let's just go ahead and kick start the semifinals now. Cause I mean, it certainly felt that way. It was like, you know what, these these boys can play in a couple days. Let's just go ahead and take the open cup format to the uh USL playoffs. You know what I mean? Like there's a match every three days, and that's what needs to happen because Phoenix getting beat, like it was too good. I mean, they're they were probably worried about some calls during the match, but honestly, I I definitely thought RGV could have put a few more goals in that in that in that basket. Yeah, I think I tweeted about the penalty. Like, you'd be mad if it went against your team, but you'd be happy if it if it didn't. Like, it was. I mean, it was questionable, but I, I think um, that game was wild. There should have been more wild. scores. RGV had so many looks. Just, I just think if those would have went in, oh my gosh! I mean, that free kick they scored was just unreal. Like I was like, damn! Like, not the best free kick of the weekend. That would definitely be uh, Trent Alexander Arnold's free kick, but that one was like so good. Like I was just like, wow! That's like clutch. Like you're in the playoffs, you need to score that goal, and then you know, Phoenix gets their goal, which I thought was uh, another good goal. Um, I don't disagree with Harry that, you know, we've seen them get this call before. Yeah. I think anytime you get anywhere close and you have somebody like Solomon Asante who, um, who is good enough and been around enough to get that call, he's going to get that call. Um, you, you don't have VAR. you got to go with your gut. And if it looks like there's contact, then there's contact. Like I'm, I'm, I don't, I, I would be mad, but then I'm just like, all right, fair enough. Um, well, and do you think that kind of comes from like the Phoenix players trying to really talk to the refs and really trying to sway them a certain way? I mean, you know what I mean? Like they spent a lot of time with that. And I'm sure that has to definitely kind of cloud your judgment. If you're a ref, you're like, mm, I'm not, maybe it's not that intense. These guys are, are, you know what I mean? So, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before about how Phoenix can get in their heads and get like really mad at officials when things aren't going the way they want it to go. Um, I mean, I would think that would that's kind of with any team that's really used to winning and not used to losing. Um, that's a tough place to be. But uh, after the match, I tweeted out that since winning the Western Conference Finals in 2018, Phoenix has yet to win a game in regulation. Uh, they won one in extra time, and all of the rest of the games that they have, uh, they advanced on penalty kicks. So it's technically, if you make two PKs, it is not a win or a loss. It is... Um, it is advanced on penalty kicks. And when they made the final last year, all of those victories were in extra time or PKs. Uh, the year before, they made it to PKs before getting eliminated by Real Monarchs on their way to Real winning. 
So this is kind of a narrative that I pointed out before about Phoenix dominating the regular season and just not being able to really get it done in the playoffs. And uh, I mean, another good. No, I was just going to say, and think about the late ex- acquisitions. I mean, Maddox. I mean, they brought in some guys later in the season. They they acquired players kind of all throughout as they needed it. Yeah, and you know, obviously there was the uh, Twitter. Uh, we got the receipts. Uh, Devin Kerr came out was not super high on Phoenix, and then uh, Shantz was asked about it. Arturo Rodriguez was asked about it. I think Tate Smith was asked about it. He was like, "Who's that?" And they're like, and they're like, you know, we're just going to show it on the pitch. And then people started retweeting that. So it was quite a fun weekend in the USL. Um, I mean, there's a reason why people dislike Phoenix. Uh, part of it is because they are so successful. Uh, no, you know, um, but there's obviously other reasons why, why people don't like Phoenix. And we're not going to get into that too deep. Same um, reason why people don't like Liverpool. I mean, it's the same. It's, it's right in there. Right. For sure. Um, and they claimed it was disrespectful and all that. But I mean, I, I think that there's a narrative there that you can say, you know, Phoenix has to um, Phoenix has to put up with all of the smack talk and all of the bravado that they carry. And, you know, they had a chance last year. Uh, and unfortunately, COVID um, took away their chance of playing for the cup. Uh, we saw that, you know, with Harry talking about the East Coast with Pittsburgh uh, lost because COVID. Yeah. And so Legion advanced. Like, it was unfortunate for Phoenix, but they're still not going to get a star on their crest. And then this year, they're out in the first round uh, off of PKs to RGV. Um, so there's that narrative there. And I think, you know, that's something that Phoenix needs to uh, maybe consider that the regular season um, is great. And we can, you know, you can celebrate winning the regular season, which Tampa Bay you know, won the league technically. Um, but, you know, there there is that lack of playoff success in Phoenix where they're winning games outright the way they do in the regular season. And I think it's a fair critique, uh, just like it's a critique of San Diego to say we hold possession all the time but can't do a lot with it. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh losing out on COVID. Um, That's unfortunate, but who do you think would have won that match? I don't know. That would have been like another – that probably would have a nil-nil go to PKs. Because uh, both teams were defensively pretty solid, uh, it's unfortunate for Birmingham because they were going to host. Uh, it's unfortunate for Pittsburgh um, because you know they're Pittsburgh. But um, Tampa's like, "Yo, you guys want to host? Go ahead." Yeah, and I, I think the East gets kind of interesting. Um, RGV goalkeeper getting two stops, Rawls getting one stop. Pretty awesome game for both teams. Yes, and this is like what Landon Donovan said: like this is soccer. You can make a mistake, and all of a sudden, you're dunsies. Um, Should be a fun weekend this weekend in uh, the USL playoffs. Uh, Orange County hosts Oakland. Uh, San Antonio hosts RGV. I think it's kind of interesting that the two mountain teams are playing each other and the two Pacific teams play each other. And not Um, the teams that you probably would have fought. No, not at all. Not at all. And, it, I, I, you know, most people would have predicted, you know, uh, Pacific versus Mountain, Pacific versus Mountain. But now you have a Pacific team and a Mountain team making the Western Conference Finals, which is fun. Yeah. Um, out East, uh, you have Tampa Bay playing Birmingham, which should be a, a pretty fun match. And you have Lou City playing Charlotte, which, uh, you know, some people are calling for an upset there, too, you know, uh, with Charlotte playing really, really well down the stretch. So there's lots of fun stuff happening this weekend. 
Uh, USL is not over. We encourage you to keep watching. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts for you? No, nothing really, I guess, really stands out. I mean, we've talked about a lot tonight. Um, I just, just keep watching the playoffs, man. I mean, it's, you know, if you're not watching the Eastern Conference yet, like now with there being fewer games, maybe it's time to start watching the Eastern yeah. Conference so that we can, because there's, you know, and you can be a part of that that narrative because the, the the more that it drops, you know, there's more to, to catch up on or talk about. So Yeah, and maybe you can find that player that might be uh, the 2022 San Diego Loyal standout. Um, we want to shout out uh, hashtag Marissa. Uh, on the social medias she was uh, having a giant migraine tonight so she is not here uh probably because she was thinking about all the possession stats uh and then she was like brr uh, so shout out at, was hook it up. right at hashtag marissa on the internet chris where can we find you uh you can find me at by chris walker on uh, both uh twitter and instagram and you can find me at a underwood 48 on the twitter machines uh Thank you guys for stopping by and dropping some comments. Uh, they're always great. We love interacting with you guys. You can follow us on at uh, follow us at Twitter at fair underscore pod, or you can hit subscribe on our YouTube page. Uh, so when we go live, I will have at least one more show next week uh, where we'll do some awards and maybe some uh, some who we like and who we'd like to uh, have come in. Um, and then maybe we'll be shutting it down for uh, the holiday breaks, uh, but maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Thank you guys for stopping by, uh, and we will see you guys later. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at icarusfc.com. 